Hello legends, welcome back. It has been a little while, uh, the hiatus has ended and it is, if it is your first time here, thanks for tuning in to this podcast where I talk to change makers about the things they do and don't do that hurt and other stuff and it is great to be back on the mic. I am recording this from the floor of what was my isolation inspiration station. My desk has been shipped to Aotearoa and in Nam, Melbourne, where I am now. We are out of lockdown, so no need for the isolation anymore. But I'll tell you what, the inspiration is running rife because I've finished university for the semester and I am excited to live a juicy but still somewhat uncertain summer. Today's guest I met almost a year ago. His sparkly eyes and magnetic energy drew me in and then I heard him talk and okay so Leo Murray is driven by the fascinatingly diverse and beautiful web of relationships that form the natural world. His active role as a change maker and thought leader in Aotearoa manifests in similar ways. He's a designer, an organizer, a facilitator, a performer, a teacher, an activist and visionary. And I guess that's kind of similar to me in some ways where there's these values are kind of at our core and then there's lots of different guises that they come under. Leo's socio-ecological enterprise, Why Waste, sees our socio-economic systems like an ecosystem. So we can approach resilience and regeneration in the same way that nature does. Nature draws strength through resilience. She is resilient through diversity and diverse through the interconnected web of relationships that create life on earth. And that is what Why Waste is helping support their partners to increase their regenerative impact by providing local solutions to global issues. So in this chat, Leo talks about his relationship with his mother and draws parallels to humanity's relationship with nature, that we humans at the moment with the world are angry teenagers having a total temper tantrum. We talk worms the worm, the dance move, how nature is a whole not a hierarchy, Eurocentrism, understanding feedback and crying. Leo is calm, gracious and knowledgeable and I feel like I sound like a total noob because there is so much more to learn about what he has to share. So I hope, my friends, you enjoy this chat with Leo Murray. being here today you are my guest who are you hello hey yeah i'm leo i uh, i come from mount maunganui in aotearoa new zealand um, yeah stoked to be here with you what's your name again i'm joanna joy jj oh that's right yeah a little yeah. brand yeah yeah well no nah, i mean <laughs> it's funny because like i have multiple facets and everything like that but joanna is my name and joy oh. is my middle name no. Yeah. Wow. I, and so, yeah, but people so often, 
Yeah, yeah. So the Banana Jolie thing, I was like, when starting this podcast, I was like, should I be Banana Jolie? But Banana Jolie is not as, um, I, I'm not going to be cracking too many jokes today. Well, that's not the intention. And Banana mm. Jolie will crack a few more jokes. So, yeah, that's who Joanna. I am. Joanna. Mm-hmm. Hey. Okay, Leo. And if I was to say to you, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that. What is that? Um. It sort of brings up a few things, and like I've, <laughs> I, I suppose I'm almost drawn to questioning like the process. I mean, there's a number of that, sure, but there's also lots of value in doing the things that hurts too. I I mean, I was on the phone to my mum this morning; it's her birthday, and I've I like I recently asked her to kind of like stop treating me like a child you know i'm 33 and other people like i i facilitate men's rights of passage work like i'm like i feel like i've kind of arrived at this mature relationship with myself and with nature and the world and and i was like oh yeah i want to like have a new relationship with you where like you're an elder you know you're not my mother like like i'm a child and and she was like it's too uncomfortable like i can't she said you know like i can't change who i am and it was a really, really, it was a really, really, it was really, really painful thing for her to go into. And I had to kind of hold this other point of being like, well, yeah, I, like, aren't all the best lessons in life learnt from the most kind of ouchiest circumstances? If I was to draw on all of the most formative experiences of my life, I don't think, like, there'd be, you know, lots of them are like, you know, I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a dance floor and I'm with my friends and maybe we're like, the euphoria is present and the grace is moving and there's lots of beautiful things, but it was really like the times when I was just chewing through the most difficult circumstances that caused me to grow into someone that I can be proud of. So <laughs> that, that thing that hurts that I, I don't want to do is um, maybe something, yeah, maybe that thing that is the most valuable for me in the long run, I'm, I'm not sure. If I just fucked up the whole podcast, like you have not, yeah. no, okay, you right. haven't. No, 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 that's awesome because yeah, that's sweet. the thing. Which... Like this element of pain, you know, mm. it's it's for me. That's why. Well, actually, the reason why I started it is because this was originally a joke in my show, and then someone told me that you should do a podcast, and so then I started. Well, I, I just thought about mm. it, and I was like, well, maybe okay, cool, why not? So much of our human experience is the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain and like Mm. you said that pain is what teaches us and so no you haven't stuffed up the podcast because you've (laughs) offered a little nugget of you know of of something of of wisdom and and so maybe to extend on what you were saying maybe the thing that would hurt could be letting that pain go in vain or running away from it rather than running towards as you did with your mum. Have you got siblings? Yeah. Do you find that as well, those family kind of scripts and roles that we play in terms of relating to them as adults? Have you experienced that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I found that the, that narrative of like, um, cause obviously there's lots, lots at play, a lot of complexity and it was actually a really easy language to use. It's just like, Hey, like, it's not too threatening to ask someone, can you just treat me like I'm an adult now? Like our culture doesn't have these rites of passage that 
would have made that easy for you to acknowledge that I'd gone out and fought a lion or a tiger or a bear or something. And then like those, those, those people go through that kind of teenage wanting to watch the world burn or that, that sort of teenage tantrum <laughs> that basically our whole species is in right now. But so we, we need, a, we need a major initiation as a collective, surely. So we, yeah, we, we, do. we can park that for later, but like this little piece of kind of, Instead of be, instead of sort of saying, oh, you know, you're not this or you're not that, or I need you to grow up to someone who's the generation older than you who raised me, is it can be quite a confronting conversation. But it's not too bad to just sort of like look at the context and be like, oh, hey, this context wasn't really conducive to that kind of intergenerational handover. So how can we create that intentionally here together so that? Not only you can begin to see me as a man, but I can begin to see you as an elder, especially within the environment of a Western world where so many of our elders are are held to be so simply by virtue of being older, even though really like what have they actually done to contribute? They just got really, really good at like leveraging debt to like own multiple houses. There's just kind of like a like I want I want to invite them back into to life and like the broader story of kind of what's going on and moving forward through generations is um is it's not necessarily something that the baby boomers have really done a whole lot for. I saw a crazy demand, like a graph of like the generational wealth between baby boomers, uh, Generation X and the millennials. There's just such a huge just a huge disruption in the flow of resources through generations right now and this it's like a just like the population of the of the generation itself it's like a a pig moving through the body of a snake and it's really like it's moved right the way down to the tail and the mouth is like kind of hungry and like no has nowhere to live and it's like <laughs> when's this going to work and so i um i mean i spent a lot of my life kind of like most of my work is trying to steer humanity towards a more harmonious relationship with nature and so a lot of that discourse is around rewriting our our mother nature narrative and and love of nature and i'm you know sort of like on the record of for being like someone who's oh you know we need to treat our mother right like and it's so it's really well you know like i'm just like this walking hypocrite really because i need to go and heal the relationship that i have with my mother and the way that i need to show up for that with someone who is you know losing their neuroplasticity like it's physically difficult for her to chew through these uncomfortable subjects that were like kind of handed to her like intergenerationally there's just all this pain and I'm putting up these kind of like healthy boundaries this and that but I'm realizing that my boundaries are just they're they're called they're also walls and they're the same walls that she's created and it's just such a huge challenge to um, overcome with any of the kind of like oppositional or like war thinking of the western world Um, you must have to like completely decolonize the way that I approach this and I remember being quite confronted by a friend who was from South Africa who told me once that New Zealand has really really stink family values and I was like wait what like how dare you and he was like nah (laughs) 
And then, yeah, he just kind of like spelled it out, just how like individualistic our culture is and how we just kind of like, as soon as you're 18, it's like, get out of my house, go make a man of yourself, like all of this kind of, you know, don't think you're going to be getting anything from me when I die, like kind of attitude. And, and I just figured that was normal. But I think in other cultures, especially Asian cultures, and he was from South Africa, he was like, man, we... We like stick together, you know. My parents give me everything and the understanding is that I take care of them when they're old. And I don't think we had that so much in New Zealand, but maybe we do, maybe we could learn something from it. I'm not saying that we need to go head first, but especially now. I mean, a classic example is just how many grandparents now have their relationship to their grandchildren through Zoom in, yeah, in Melbourne or, or San Francisco or London, you know, and it's like, the joke's on you, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would be a real, um, that thing that hurts, don't do that, is, th- is think, you know, rational brain, that that you can do it by yourself and that we can get through whatever mess without each other, which is just such an incredible delusion I mean, I'm not saying that I or you can't like live our lives without the support of our parents, but to think that we can do it without the support of someone is just, is, is outrageous. And I think that one place that that's really coming through quite strongly is in a lot of that kind of like massively polarized and we, we don't have to go there in the conversation, but this about vaccinations, a lot of the folks who hold that, you know, the, the, the virus has been weaponized and that it's being used to control a population they're you know they're, they're big pieces like oh, i'm a i'm sovereign and i'm like i'm in control of my life you're not in control and it's all great it's all good if you've got like the permaculture homestead and you can you know like grow all it's your food so and epic but if you like live in a city like we're all just so interdependent um or even any kind of community of interdependence that would be one thing that i think that is really like creeping in is this idea that we are that our that our actions are independent from the impacts that they have on others don't do that (laughs) yeah don't do that yeah Mm. does it hurt when you do that don't do that isolate yeah well thanks so much for sharing that stuff about your family because and all of it because it goes right back all of that sort of stuff and so like you said though as well because I I had when I returned to New Zealand, I had quite a intense healing conversation with my mum. And, you know, I'm really fortunate that she took it as well as it could go. And I, but I also said to her, yeah, thumbs up, go mum. I also said, you know, you weren't as equipped as what I am. By the time you were my age, you had three kids and you didn't have all this access to information. It wasn't acceptable to be on this path of like self-actualization and to share. Well, maybe it was, maybe we didn't know about it in a different way, but yeah, what you said about that, that there's this, this, this gap between, I guess, the, the generations of what, what it's like to be able to lean in and, and, and navigate that. I really like what you said about that our species is having a mm. bit of a teenage tantrum. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to expand what that, what that how that <laughs> yeah, looks for well, you? You know, like our the, co- the common narrative for um, indigenous cultures is that um, – I'll speak, I'll speak on behalf of the indigenous culture of New Zealand because I'm most familiar with that. But like, so our earth mother – you know, the earth has a feminine presence and it's, 
her name is Papa Tuanuku, and elsewhere, you know, Gaia or Pachamama, and in New Zealand, the, the, the father is the sky, Ranginui. And it's, and we are their children, you know, like we are kind of, well, it's like we're, it's like we're, we're receiving them. I think, you know, the reason why, uh, I suppose, like humans have managed to, um, have a harmonious relationship with nature in the past is because of that kind of reverence and in service to relationship. And then through, you know, sort of separation from nature and patriarchy and imperialism and the colonization that followed that we kind of have have grown older and we know now longer no longer see mother as like a like something to yeah a be afraid of and revere but rebel against and like dig up and fight and sell it to the highest bidder and we are we're just in this giant tantrum and everyone's just really like that narrow-minded teenage mind or an uninitiated i'll just speak for the males now given that like they make most of the sort of shit decisions that have got us here it's very narrow it's and it's all about me and then and so you know really what i'm craving and i have a feeling if there is like a web of data or consciousness or god or whatever nature um, probably wants probably wants that initiation to occur as well, and so that you know, climate change is sort of qualifies as like a rite of passage. When you go out into the night and it's dark and it's cold and it's scary, and you're in the cave with the I mentioned the lion already, so, so we'll just roll with the lion. Like we might fuck this up, like we might die, and the the kind of like critical kind of like aspect of an of of an initiation is is that the identity psychologically. And then the and then the other and then the other aspect that's also really critical is that when once they have successfully, because if they're unsuccessful, they're not coming back to their community. And so when they do come back to their community, that the community actually acknowledges them and says, "You're different. You're 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 a big boy now. You know, you're a man." And that's you know that's when they're like the especially you know the mothers and the sisters and the aunties and they actually do the initiating. Whereas the men just facilitate the, the, the threshold that that person has to pass. And, and so that's kind of like the conversation I'm having with my mom, which is just a hard case, like really, really interesting. I don't want to bring like the, 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 the common knowledge, the common language of like modern day psychology to, to her, because then I'd rather she just go see a therapist, which she doesn't want to do. So, <laughs> so we're trying to like extrapolate this, this rite of passage analogy out to like our society as a whole. And, and so the pattern would be in theory, and I could be like just speaking way out of turn here. So I'll just name that, um, that we go from being like having this mother nature relationship through this really dumb, like neoliberal capital, I don't know, like <laughs> industrial civilization, teenagehood to a lover nature relationship and where we can actually meet nature, not necessarily on like even keel given that like the broader story of life is just so so big and we are so so small but it's more about a mature way that we can participate in that story and contribute and and actually like give something back to this great gift of of like a life on this earth and really for me that's just about acknowledging that we that like me, Leo, I'm just like, you know, a slither of a fingernail or like a hair follicle of, of the superorganism of humanity, which has 
the same scale of tininess of like significant insignificance to all other non-human beings that are all making up this giant like and incredibly meaningful while we're all over here being like what's the meaning of life oh my god and like the meaning is just so overwhelmingly epic <laughs> and it has this huge just just glorious direction towards complexity and interrelationship that <laughs> it's just i just can't wait for there to be so much pressure i don't know like a virus and a and like sea levels and like the you know everything's fucking on fire and all of this crazy shit and just really like squeeze us a bit so that we can either realize or you know be cross that threshold into that mature relationship with ourselves and each other in our ecological context or not i'm also just kind of kind of cool with failing as well at least that way like the sunset will still be beautiful the trees will still photosynthesize <laughs> because if we continue to go the way we are of course this, the sun won't make it through the atmosphere or it will and it'll kill everything and like you know just lots of way bigger way bigger than me stuff <laughs> man the, the mind boggles you your way with words it's like ear chocolate like thank you for the way that you describe and tell stories i'm just like nom, 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 nom. yes keep talking keep talking thank you so much for putting it that way because like you said it's such all the stuff it's so big you know and and we can get really overwhelmed and kind of throw our hands up and be like i don't know how to do it or we can just get really nihilistic and that's also why i'm here because it's kind of like People have been talking about, I guess, what is this meaning and where do we find this connectedness and where have we gone wrong for so long? And we try as much as we can to tr to to build ourselves up to be mightier to kind of figure it all out. What I'm really curious about with you and what I really like about your language, how have you found your, I guess, stepping into your, fully your role as a storyteller in terms of getting people to really getting the penny to drop for people when it comes to important things like the environment and interconnectedness. And, and I want to yeah ask you about language and how you've found that that can really make change. Mm. Yeah, right on. Like, I, like I'm not super huge on like the extreme version of woke liberalism, but I would say that privilege awareness and, 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 decolonization and feminism like like just acknowledging that like life isn't like a giant pyramid scheme with all the white guys at the top is is a pretty accessible way to have an on-ramp because if people aren't used if people aren't ready to go there then you gotta then you gotta start way 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 back and that's a lot more work and like you kind of you kind of nailed it there when you were like oh you know we're all kind of trying to be mightier so that we can figure it all out like really it's not about power over but power with you know, power versus force. And instead of trying to like collect, like measure everything, <laughs> fit fit all of the, the the glory and the the magic of nature through the like bottleneck of num number, uh, measure it and then plug it all into like science so that we like, we know everything, even though like we kind of suck at connecting the dots between all the things that we know. So there's there's all this knowledge, but not enough understanding. So instead of coming at it in a way that where we can control it, we, we humble ourselves to it. 
And that for me, as a white male, has been really, really powerful. It's just like, oh, wow, like I don't have to know. And sitting in the not knowing opens me up to like all of the, f- so much more feeling, all the wealth and value in my sense, in my senses. I, I went for a walk this morning and I stood on this headland and I looked out to, to the east to like where the Chatham Islands across to like, I don't know, like Patagonia and, and I blew, I blew the ocean a kiss. And that to me was, I'm just really humbling myself to nature so that I can be more in service to life. More in service to life means that we can all, like, it's, it's way more inclusive. I didn't make this, I didn't make this quote up, but I somehow became attributed to it was, um, if you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. And if we could just kind of like take the like the energy of that piece and apply it to the way that our society like interacts with each other in our in, in the context, whoa, <laughs> a lot of things would start to unravel. A lot of you know, destructive things and a lot of really beautiful and constructive things could start to bloom and unfold. And that's really something that humans do inherently is we just see everything as like a um, a bricolage of incomplete parts. Everything's just... I have not heard someone use the word bricolage. I looked that up. That was like my word of the day. And you're the first person I was like, and I got so excited because I had to contact my dad. I was like, dad, I found a new word, bricolage. And you just used it. This is sensational. Is, do you, are you taking it to mean, so the word bricolage, it's kind of like bric-a-brac, bric-a-brac, right? It's like a whole lot of different different little items. Yeah. Is that yeah, what you take it to mean? Yeah, that's how humans create reality is we have all of these, these, these little pieces in our brain and we sort of put them together and we're like, oh, well, right, well, that's how reality works and that's how nature kind of works. And that's how, whoa, <laughs> the world is not working very well. <laughs> like, and, and really, but like if you look at nature, if you look at the way a new bud on a, on a tree in spring, it's sort of, it's not, it's not incomplete. It's not... It's not like a, it's not half of a flower or even a, a, a tenth of a flower. It's just a really tiny flower and it's, it's unfolding. And it, nature just unfolds all of these holes from a hole and into a holarchy of nested holes within holes that go from like a, an atomic substructure to the observable universe. And everything is, nothing is incomplete within it. And when we can get our head around the holarchy, then we start to unpack the hierarchy because what fucking good has that done? I mean, yeah, like there's things in nature that are inherently hierarchical. If there's like a school of kahawai, uh, that's a fish here in New Zealand, and then there's a, there's a shark, there's like a hierarchy of power. But it's not, it's, not asymmet- it's not asymmetrical. It's distributed evenly. If the shark gets a, like a sharper tooth, a longer tooth, the kawaii will evolve to have like a longer tail. If there's no more kawaii, the shark just dies because there's no kawaii. <laughs> and if the shark dies, then like the ecosystem of the kawaii is totally disrupted and will probably collapse anyway. So everything is interdependent in this seeming hierarchy of nature, which is when you zoom out, is actually a holarchy and everything is sort of working together. And that's something that I would like dearly love for humans to kind of get their head around. Daniel Schmachtenberger, who's a really onto it guy, and I highly recommend people 
track that down, <laughs> track this guy down. He puts it this way. He says that pretty much most of New Zealand's problems, humans' problems, comes from these, these two generator functions. And one is rivalrous dynamics and asymmetrical distribution of power. In nature, there, both of those exist, but whenever they come together, they generally don't last long. They're like a, a tectonic plate slipping or a, um, a volcano or something really like kind of big and it just goes, ah, and it's, you know, plays a really important function. But with, with humanity, we have rival, these rivalrous dynamics of like, you know, in-group, out-group, oh, so much tension within identity. And then we have asymmetrical distribution of power where, you know, this group might have yeah. all the money and all the privilege and like all the guns <laughs> and this group might not. And so that's, that's where just so much of, uh, of the, sh of the sort of expression of the more parts of humanity that I'm, that I, that I, that I feel shame for emerge. Whereas our, <laughs> our version, it would be like the Kahawai getting along the tail and then the shark just getting a laser beam attached to its head or something like, and then, you know, next minute you've got like nuclear weaponry or weaponized viruses or something, you know, like what's the symmetrical evolution to balance that power out? <sighs> Whatever that is, it's not good news. So we've just, we live in, in like this asymmetry of power that, oh, I'm starting to, yeah, become quite fatigued by <laughs> and bringing me, bringing me to draw yeah. these analogies of like, yeah, an irresponsible like teenage boy just trying to you know burn ants with a magnifying glass or something you know <laughs> i feel yeah and like wow laser sharks laser. that is something ah, to be terrified about <laughs> 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 when i met you um you were delivering a talk about co-creating i think it was called co-creating a sustainable future at the bay of plenty garden and arts festival and like what yeah shout out um and, you know, because for me studying psychology, the way that you come to it from a real cultural perspective, um, like a, a, it's a roots, not fruits thing, like and how we as humans, we gravitate towards doing what the group does. And I think that, yeah, what, what you've said and what you've, what you've covered about that it, it, it is, it's a culture thing and it's in who we are and if who we are is children of our environment then we can yeah stepping into realizing that it's not just one person doing a thing or one big company doing a thing badly but it's it's a whole like multi-level thing but we're all whole w-h-o-l-e and that 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 whole archy i haven't heard that word before to know that there's space for everybody i think that that would really ch maybe you're right change how people interact with themselves and the planet mm. yeah okay so are you ready for the next question and if you feel like you've kind of like answered it you can also go to a whole different direction as well um, I'm not going to put words in your mouth here let's have some water so if I was to say to you does it hurt when you do that do that what's something that hurts that's like oh that's good mm. well well, I tell you, it's real fresh. It's like, it's really alive in me right now. Uh, it's pretty edgy. I, I've debriefed about it with a few close people, but I've, I have yet to broadcast it on the internet. 
Um, <laughs> Do you feel comfortable broadcasting on the internet? <laughs> if later you you say it and then you can come to me, I won't be putting this up for a couple of weeks. So if you've got time and you're like, actually, yeah. I don't really want to put no, that out there. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually like, I'm actually quite proud. I'm pr- so, I, like the what I'm about to share is it, it took a lot of courage and it took a lot of unlearning, a lot of becoming unnumb, unlearning my numbness that was conditioned into me, you know, and I, um, so uh, on Monday, so yeah, two days ago, I spent pretty much the whole morning um, crying. Like I was just so, so sad. Like I was, I wasn't even sad. There was, it was just a deep sense mm. of sorrow and I was just on my knees, like mm. just tears coming out my face. Like, oh my God, I was such a mess. I was like, shit was coming out of my nose. I was blowing my nose all the time. It was such a, it was such a situation, but at no point did it really feel like it was about me or like I would, I would label it as like bad mm. or not, not a worthwhile use of my time. Like, and so I just, I it, it what is it what's what's our what's our brief like oh it hurt but you did it yeah it was it really felt it I mean such deeply uncomfortable feeling sorrow and grief and I just instead of kind of like just blocking it out I I just really rolled with it and um man, I just feel like I just tapped into like this ancient evolutionary biological technology of just crying to just move just move a whole bunch of feelings through me and i feel so much clearer and i just feel like i belong on this earth a little bit more and a lot of that came like i'll speak to kind of what like catalyzed this i i've recently picked up uh, an incredible book and it's by an australian guy called tyson yunka porta and it's called sand talk and it's and I, you know, I'm really big on a lot of the books I read are, are are about sort of indigenous wisdom. I'm studying the world of Māori and the language of Māori, and and I was and I'm sort of, you know, I'm really curious about Native Indian and Native American indigeneity, and you know, different kind of bits and pieces. My Celtic ancestry, blah blah. And I was like, I picked up this book, and I was like, oh, this guy, he's got an Australian bring. perspective. And I, every time I've I've sort of interacted with. Um, aboriginals in australia i've always been like wow yeah these guys are awesome i remember one thing that really blew me away is that in australia apparently you don't you don't approach you don't approach a fire without a piece of wood really right i mean (laughs) do you just write that off as just a, a a meaningless custom or do you just acknowledge just how fucking logical it is <laughs> or not in lot i know um, all this time i feel so bad and i'm like i'm just thinking back about all the times i've approached a fire without a piece of wood and feeling like what an idiot yeah, i must look totally. like like it's like who would, who would do that like <laughs> all of us for so all long, of us for so long don't do that that's silly the wood needs fire come on <laughs> and i think also at this point it's probably worth mentioning that the the continent of Australia is just massive and there's just so many, so many, I don't know, I think there are like multiple thousands of different kind of ethnic identities there. So I might have just been talking to one person. What it you know, that's that's important to acknowledge. But that's also gonna be part of my culture from now on. It's like I'm not gonna approach a fire without a piece of wood. Sweet. <laughs> anyway, so I'm picked up this book and usually when we look at 
a First Nation people or culture, we look at it kind of through like a lens or a portal from the, or the Western worldview or Eurocentric worldview into that Indigenous worldview. And, and we like, you know, ooh, ah, like that's pretty. Like, you know, we sort of take the best parts and then we kind of bring them out into our world and we pat ourselves on the back. But like this guy, I don't know, there's something about Australians because they just don't, really don't mince words. Like there's such a raw, a rawness, I mean, whoa, <laughs> about, yeah, the United States, Australia, that, <laughs> that um, I've always appreciated. And this, this author just really doesn't, he's unflinching in his truth telling, but not through the perspective of, you know, looking in at the Aboriginal culture. He's actually writing it from the perspective of the Aboriginal culture, looking back up through that that lens or that portal at the Western world, and it's just so it's just it's just so it, for me um, it really just it just stirred up like so much um, ickiness um, and I suppose like conveniently internalized. Um, truths that I knew about the world that had made me, you know, made me, made me like frustrated or feel in my past where I might have like, in order to just cope with being me and living in the world that I do, I might have like just turned the volume down on it or something. Mm. And yeah. reading this book, it was just like he turned, he turned the volume up on all of all of them, and they all just went really big and they just flooded into me and it really like crushed me i mean i'm in lockdown i'm probably already like a bit whoa (sighs) like it was full on and so i yeah i wound up just really like grieving grieving this 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 thing that we've created like intentionally or unintentionally it's it's um i mean it's it's sort of it's convenient that it's so self-terminating in its essence um and it's probably going to play out in our lifetime, but like if it doesn't, it's I'm at least like I'm I'm sort of heartened that it's not going to carry on forever. The workshop that you came to, if it was called co-creating a more sustainable future, like slap me. What it was was co-creating a more beautiful world. Our heart knows is possible. No, maybe it was that. <laughs> I think it was that. Yeah, because I've got no interest in sustaining this. But yeah, no, I remember yeah, that. I remember yeah, when you said that. Yeah. You said sustainability is mm, not the goal. Mm. Sorry. No, no. Um, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> wow. And like that when you were like, you know, and it flooded through me and I was like, ah, I think that, that that reaction, that like physical visceral reaction to the extent where it had you on your knees grieving, that's beyond this intellectualizing, rationalizing experience that we've tried to do when it comes to looking at our effect on indigenous, our Western effect on indigenous cultures. And um, to the extent as well where we don't know how to grieve and cry, you know, we, we could learn a lot um, yeah. in, in terms of that. And though, you know, that you moved through it and, and allowed yourself, like you said, you feel like you can be more on this planet is how grief can be when we go to the depths of it that then we emerge with some more love and more understanding Mm. yeah so 
get snotty nosed on the floor, everyone, um, <laughs> crying yeah. or whatever you need to do. <laughs> I have recognised that as someone who is quite sometimes courageous, my way is I can cry in public. Not always. <laughs> but if it comes up and the opportunity arises, then maybe I will I will cry in public. But, yeah, it's not easy um, to be to be seen in that way. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and to allow yourself to be moved. Like you said, it's unlearning, right? Mm. Yeah. There would have been hundreds of opportunities in the past for me to have that come in and wash over me, and I would have just, just nope, that's not what I I need. Or like, you know, or yeah, there's someone here and I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Or my flatmate was through the wall. They were worried about me. And then they were like, oh. But uh, it had to be done. Like it just, it really was... um, was that was the moment for that and i'll never forget it i'll never ever that wow that time that i just felt so strongly growing up as a male in new zealand turns out you know we we um we we castrate ourselves emotionally and if we don't then others will do it for us about you has anyone asked you that question what am I doing does it hurt that's good yeah no like I think when I made the question one of the main ones was like what we were actually talking about was showing up to these kind of family conversations I think for me right now in this moment of the week I did actually something that I haven't done for a while today I admitted that I was stressed yeah Often I find, and something that I've been sitting with is I uh, have this way of the kind of spin that I might put on something. Either it's like very intellectual and very aware, but it might kind of like cap what it actually is that I'm feeling. So maybe I'm spending more time up here in the mind as opposed to in the heart and in the gut. And like to admit that is uh, uh, because, you know, I am someone who I, I feel like I'm quite embodied and quite in, in tune, but um, it's been through therapy brought to my attention that it is something that, yeah. So today I was like voice messaging a friend and I was like, yeah, I'm quite stressed. And I was like, oh no, not stressed. No, I usually say I don't get stressed, but actually I've now said that I am. And so I think, yeah, maybe I am. I mean, I haven't been sleeping very well the last three nights. I've been waking up in the middle of the night and clenching my jaw and all that sort of thing. If someone said that they had that to me, I'd be mm. like, yeah, you're stressed. <laughs> so I'd say the thing that hurts that I'm doing is is admitting being more and more honest with myself because it's it's that thing, I guess, that the unlearning you know, we have our various defense mechanisms and things that we kind of step into. And one of mine is like this, uh, the facade or the performer or whatever I put on. And I usually do it so that other people are okay. And yeah, I guess trying to recognize when, which one is there. And it's very insidious, you know, it's not too far aligned from who I actually am. It's not too far away from who I actually am at my core but um yeah that's that's one thing it's yeah thank you for asking me that I probably wouldn't have got there otherwise (laughs) well done yeah I can totally relate to that too I think I only ever referred to myself as being stressed 
yeah. very recently also. And I mean, it just, if you say it, then you're like, oh, okay. I, I, I remember like the first time I said it, I was so shocked. I was like, oh my God, I'm stressed. Only other people get stressed, not me. And, and then I was like, Whoa, oh my God, what, what do I do? And then, so I wound up drawing um, an Eisenhower matrix, which is this president of the United States, right? And he, he, he just drew like a, you know, a cross, a, a, a cross on a page and there's four quartiles. And one of them is, um, you know, not urgent and not important. And then there's not urgent and important. And then there's not important, but urgent. And then there's important and urgent. And often when we're stressed, a lot of what we're doing is in this urgent and important quartile when really our best work gets done in the important but not urgent quartile. And so the idea is to kind of like pull your life down into a state of like unrushed excellence. I suppose if you if, if anyone wishes to strive for, I'm trying to think of the word that's like, it's not quite perfect. It's like when you're trying to, oh, impeccability. That's really like what I'm trying to go for. Like, it's like, I just want to be impeccable. Like, screw perfection. Not, not keen on that. But I just really don't, I just want to be the best version of myself, right? And I can't do that if I'm like backed into a corner and I've got like cortisol like running through my body and I'm like, ah, <laughs> haven't slept right, you know. It's not, it's just not, you're not going to roll with, with that capability. So um, that was my response, was rationalize, brain it, the whole thing. And um, which is, of course, kind of like almost makes things worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Humans, far out. Yeah. Um, so one thing I loved, um, you, uh, a worm millionaire, mm. what yeah. is the, you, you're, you're, oh, yeah. you're the richest man of the worms, the worm world, W-O-R-M, worm. Are we talking about the species or the breakdance move? <laughs> I've never, cra- I've never cracked the worm. I've seen, I've got friends that can do it really well. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the worm millionaire, I'm not sure what you dug that out from, but. That's that's because I have my my company Y Waste. We're setting up a nationwide network of of worm farms all around New Zealand, and I yeah, like each worm farm has like you know maybe I don't know several thousand worms, and um, it's just got to the point now where I am the steward of over multiple yeah multiple millions of worms. So I thought I'd claim that because I don't have multiple millions of dollars, so might as well just. Yeah, cut, cut your losses and celebrate, celebrate your, your worms. worms for sure. <laughs> I love that. I've got this image of you know on um, Uncle Scrooge how he would dive into that thing. I yeah. imagine you just like he launching yourself into a thing of worms and just like swimming around with your millions yeah. of worms. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I, I've you know I've been like knee deep in worms before. Really? But like, yeah, yeah. Not like not like needing a snorkel. No. <laughs> you know it was really funny when i when i when i first uttered the word i'm a worm millionaire the image i had was of oprah winfrey you know how every now and again she has like a show and she gets everyone to reach under their seat i don't know let's say they pick out the keys to a car and she'll be like and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car and it's just like this i just imagine myself just like making it rain with worms just like everywhere you get Sensational. What a wonderful, yeah, yeah. fun, playful image. Oh, so good. 
<laughs> Do you want me to tell you a story about, it's not about the worm, the dance move, but I can tell you a story if you like. Mm, I'd, lo- I'd love for you to tell a story. My family, before I was born, lived in Tonga in the island for two years. And um, that's why my name's Joanna. I'm named after my Tongan godmother, Soana. And um, yeah, and so, but they lived in South Auckland. So when I was young, I used to go and hang out with the Tongan families, heaps. And one time at this Tongan barbecue, so there's like, you know, heaps of them around, a pig on the spit, all that thing. We were having like a dance circle and they are such a beautiful, joyful culture. All the guys were getting in, everyone's dancing around. It's a real vibe. And I'm like, all right, this is my chance. And so then I go in, I go into the middle and I try to do the caterpillar, which is like the worm, but backwards. And I fully smashed my chin on the concrete. And you know that thing when you're a kid where you like hurt yourself, but you like really don't want to cry (laughs) because there's other people there. And I just like, I just remember like walking inside and like ducking off to a corner and hanging out with the sausage sizzle. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) Every time I think about breaking out Mm. the worm, I think Mm. about the Mm. Tonga barbecue. So... Also, you are a vibe architect. Now, I am a self-proclaimed vibologist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What I love about this and, and you is that it's not what you say, but it's how you say it, you know, and it's, it's who you are that then gets the people on side to whatever it is and that energy and that infectious energy that you have in the vibe. So what I'm wondering is how do you go maintaining the vibe or maintaining this when you're met with resistance or when you don't feel that great in yourself because you're human and, and kind of open-eyed to the difficulties of what it is to be alive? Uh, I'll, I'll speak to the resistance first. I mean, I was, told I, was, I was told I was a leader my whole life. Like, I just, I don't know, school reports and I don't know. Like, you know, you just kind of, at some point, you just kind of go, okay, that's me, I'll, I'll do it. And um, it needs to be done. And, like, really bad leadership often, like, I'm really sensitive to that too, so I'm like, all right, like let's let's do the let's do the do, but yeah, every time I'm like met with resistance, it's just a really valuable feedback loop. His his data, I'm taking that on. That to me is really valuable. The framework that I kind of received that through is like finding the signal among the noise. So like you know, if you imagine like a radio and there's like static, you just want that like the song to come through and 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 you can just hear it, and it's like, what's that? That's kind of what I'm looking for. That's how I can kind of steer this this kind of this waka um towards like our destination as a people because like i don't want to be alone on the waka that's been a lot of my a lot of my inquiry recently is learning how to be with myself alone but even so like i've got no interest in like being like the the guy who takes all the credit for all the things that we do as a people like that's that's not my jam at all and and, and, and i would also offer that as like a, a critique for a lot of people who they make sense of the world in ways that uh, you know, whatever they are, like you know, so much. I'm 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 sort of like quite tuned into like how people are responding to COVID and and like the way that they are like the, the narratives that they uphold in order to to understand things. And one thing I often hear by people who are like have um, an opinion that's like not supported by many people is they're like, I don't care what you think. I'm my own sovereign being. I'm my own like. I think it's important that people have agency, but I think it's also really important that people acknowledge that we're we're a hive species. We are like these cognitively geared 
for social acceptance animals that if we can't listen to the people around us and especially like the ones that we really care about how long do we expect to like kind of stay warm by the campfire it's really important to receive different points of view and, and plug it into our own and so that that's that resistance part about like I don't know, if I'm up, if I'm up like waving a flag and come this way, you know, that's a metaphor. I might've done that, but anyway, the, and like people want to come and they're like, oh, we don't want to go over there. I'll be like, oh, okay. Where do we want to go? You know? Um, and then I forgot the rest of the question. That's all good. Me too. <laughs> so I swept up on what you were saying. So yeah, choice as. We've got one more question. Yes. If you were able to send a message on a text message or a little, or if it was on a billboard, any way you want to broadcast it mm. to everyone, what would it be? Well, I, I, I get these kind of like, I get the answer to this question arrive at me like every other day and they just fade. I need to start writing them down. But it would be something along the lines of to somehow like gently remind people that life is really big and humanity is really small and that they're a small part of that, but that doesn't make it any less meaningful or insignificant. And then that, that actually more meaningful. There's, there's purpose in participation. Maybe, maybe that's it. There's purpose in participation. <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm imagining, cause you said gently, I'm imagining you just like, blowing it out and a kiss to all mm. the world because you said mm. you kiss the ocean blow oh, a kiss yeah. to the ocean yeah. so you could like blow out a universal kiss there's purpose and participation <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, another way another way that i articulated it earlier which is almost like my mantra is to humble myself to nature and be more in service to life i think Using humility is a little bit, maybe more, a bit more constructive than like, you don't matter. Because <laughs> that's kind of like where a lot of the, the more, really more switched on people in my life have sort of wound up as like, you know, versions of like Tim Minchin. You know, are you familiar with Tim Minchin? You know, he's like such, so smart, so such evidence-based scientific brain, but he's gone so far through that, that he's now like basically a narcissist. No, wait a minute. Is he a narcissist or is he a... Um, what is it when there's no more purpose in life? A nihilist. Nihilist. <laughs> a narcissist is someone who like loves themselves and loves their own reflection. When you made that call, I was like, oh. Whoa, Whoa that's, that's, that's edgy <laughs> as. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, oh, I just want to like go back. Control Z. Control Z. Okay, so Tim mentioned he he comes across to me like a nihilist. Like he, and he said it he said it so many times. It's just like there's no purpose to any of this and like we just have to accept that, you know, life's and, and he takes it in a beautiful direction. He's like, the most important thing is just don't be a dick to each other and you know, like definitely not nihilistic at all. Um and what I crave is for those those folks who like have gotten to that point where they're like, what's the purpose if, you know, everything, if like nature is like this, you know, a grow medium that like, <laughs> that we just kind of like measure and, you know, like we just, we just live on it. Um, I would just, yeah, encourage them to sort of go outside and realize that they live in it, not on it, you know, and that we're a part of nature, you know, and that there's plenty of purpose to that. So 
that would kind of be my my big my shtick <laughs> is that we're not separate to it nah we're together mm. and so whenever you can bring a piece of wood to the fire that's right damn right I feel like that's a beautiful place to wrap up today. Thank you so much for your time. How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling great. Joanna. Soana. Soana. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me this week. For this podcast to continue, I could really use your support. If you enjoyed the episode, please screenshot it and put it on your social media, send the episode to your friend or family, and if you can click subscribe to the episodes, they'll fall into your algorithm like your old friend JJ popping into your ear every week. I appreciate it so much. And, as well as listening to this podcast, you can just keep on listening to your own wisdom by asking the questions, big and small, like, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that.